0: It's Gloria, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 2 of Miss Independent. Today, we will be continuing the conversation on buying and selling your first home with Shay, a Toronto-based realtor. We will be chatting about the details of buying and selling a home, like what happens on offer night, as is condition, home inspections, discount brokerages, and more. Hope you enjoy. All right, so let's just jump right back into the conversation let's talk a little bit about offer night can you tell me what that kind of looks like and what you should be doing
1: so I, i've you know I've held offer nights before being on the listing side so for example i, I sold a condo recently we um, we had listed the condo again lower than what we actually wanted um, so this is super common practice these days you you list it below what you're what you're hoping to get and we had put up a you know, on the listing, we said, okay, we'll be reviewing all offers. It was about a week later. And so on the listing agent side, really it's just a matter of, you know, it's showings are going to happen throughout that week. Um, and then on the offer presentation night, you, you know, you sit down with the sellers of the home and, and however many offers have come in, whether it's, you know, five, six, seven, maybe more, um, in, in some markets right now, you'll see that, uh, there's properties that are getting like 30, 40 offers, which is wild. Wow. Um, yeah. But it's, it's really just a matter of like, you know, going through all those offers and kind of picking apart details. I like to make sort of a spreadsheet just to help, you know, break down the key points of the offers, because when it comes to the, the quality of offers that you're receiving, you know, you're looking at, okay, obviously price is a huge consideration, um, but then there's other things like conditions that people put in those offers. So, for example, someone might have put a financing condition or or a home inspection condition, meaning that um, you have to give them a few days to either get their financing in order, or get a home inspection done before that offer becomes firm. Um, which you know, if you're on the seller's side, that's kind of a risk because if that condition falls through, then the deal falls apart, and then that home's kind of back on the market when you may have had other offers. So it really is is about looking at the full picture of the offer. Closing date can be an important thing for some people on the selling side. Like, you know, let's say that you as the seller, you know, you need to close in two months. If that buyer is giving you a 30-day closing, well, hey, maybe that's too soon for you. You know, it it can go a number of different ways. So it really is about looking at the complete picture of those offers. Now, what can happen and what did happen to us, uh, we meant to hold our offer night a week after listing, but we got a bully offer. What that means is someone came in with a really great offer ahead of our scheduled offer night. And it was good enough that the sellers that I was working with um, were seriously considering it. So then me as the listing agent, what my job is at that moment is, okay, these guys are considering it. So then I get on the phone and I have to notify every other agent who's shown interest in this property basically any other agent who's shown the property, not not necessarily anyone who said they're going to put an offer in, but it has to be everyone who's shown the property or indicated that their client has an interest in it. My job is to get on the phone with them and say, hey, we got a bully offer. Do you have clients that are interested because we're going to be looking at this tonight? You know, And so what we ended up doing in that scenario um, is moving up our offer night earlier because that bully offer came in and we actually had a few other agents send in offers as well that same night because they had clients that saw it and were really interested in it. and the property ended up selling that night, not actually to the original bully, but to someone else who who kind of hopped on. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a very like uh, it can be kind of exhilarating. I mean it's it's stressful, you know from from my perspective, but it's uh, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. there's there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot happening at once. And you know I've been on the buyer's side of that too. And it's, it's so stressful, you know, like, I'm sure, like you mentioned, your friends went through it, like, you know, when you're on your fifth, sixth offer night, you know, it's, there was just so much anticipation, because, you know, you might send that offer in early in the day or in the afternoon or whatever, and you might not get an answer until like midnight. So you're just kind of in limbo for hours while, you know, there's maybe some back and forth between agents and, you know, sometimes there might be a second round. So, you know, we might as a listing agent, we might go back to a few different parties and say like, Hey, you guys are close. Um, you know, go, go back to your clients and, and then come back again with, you know, an improved offer. Mm-hmm. So there's just there's there's kind of a lot going on on both sides. But I really do sympathize, especially in the current market with with how stressful it can be as a buyer to, to kind of be and like stressful and, and, and anxious. <laughs> you might feel being in that kind of limbo of not knowing if you're going to get a property or not.
0: Hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what's going on in the market, but it's definitely crazy. So what does selling in as is condition mean? And what happens if a house is not as is?
1: So generally speaking, when you say a house is being sold as is, that means that you're not making any representations or warranties as to what condition the house is going to be in when you take possession of it. So typically, when you make an offer on a property, your real estate agent will put a clause in the agreement saying that the seller represents and warrants that things like the um appliances will be in good working order on closing of the transaction. So as a buyer if you if you've closed on a property on closing day you have to go around and test everything. You got to, you know, check the fridge, check the oven, check the washer dryer and make sure all of those things are working. Because if they're not working on closing day, you need to notify your lawyer because technically the the other side is, has breached the agreement a little bit. And so that the two lawyers may have to kind of work out how that's going to be handled. But anything past the closing day, it's now your problem. You know, if, if that washer dryer breaks down the next day, well, it's yours now. That home is yours and you're responsible for for fixing it, um, and so when when a seller sells the home in as is condition, that's them saying, "Hey, we're not warranting anything on this home. It could have major problems. Like you, as the buyer, have to do your due diligence and understand that you're getting it that in exact conditions. And now, we're not doing any additional work to it, you know. And so that's where." As a buyer, you know, you want to really take a good look at things. Um, you, you may want to have a home inspector come through and, and check for things like bad electrical work or bad plumbing, because there's there's so many things that you could be inheriting, so many problems with a home that you could be inheriting once you close on that particular property. A home is either sold as is or they're sold with certain sort of warranties as to the condition of it is kind of the the long and short of it.
0: Mm-hmm. is it best practice to get a home inspector in to look at things
1: um it really depends it, it depends on the type of home i mean if it's if it's a brand new home that's that's been renovated you may not what what i'll actually say is that having a home inspection done is kind of a luxury in certain markets in the sense that when you're up against multiple offers the home inspection condition particularly this is mainly for houses because you wouldn't it's not very typical that you have a home inspection done on a condo. Um, sometimes you might, uh, there's there's a really awful type of plumbing called Tech plumbing that that is in a lot of condos built in Toronto. Um, and so sometimes you may want to have a home inspector check to see if that type of plumbing exists, because it can be a problem um, in terms of getting insurance or financing for a particular, a particular property. The reason being Tech plumbing was originally pitched as like this really great plumbing that was... Um, you know, less likely to corrode and, and cause leaks, but it actually does that, you know, it, it does <laughs> corrode and leak. So it, was, it did the complete opposite of what it was meant to do. When it comes to home inspection, the, re- the reason I say it's a bit of a luxury is that in a very competitive market, like we're in right now, when there are multiple offers on a property, people will often waive their right to have a home inspection done. Like they'll, they'll waive that condition because they, they know that it gives them a better chance. Because when you're when you're going into an offer presentation, like an offer night, Ideally, you want to go in with a firm offer, meaning that your offer has no conditions. Um, Ideally, you have that bank draft deposit for the home ready to go to show the buyer that you're really serious and like you want to make this deal happen. And so home inspections often get tossed out. Now, on the listing agent side, um, you you may see online a lot of uh, listings will actually have a pre-listing home inspection done. So they'll have a home inspector go do a review of the house, and that's something that you can supply as part of the listing, or or as you know, part of the information that you give to any prospective buyers, just so that they kind of know what they're what they're getting into before they put an offer on a property. But there are many times um, where there is no home inspection, and you may end up waiving it just just to kind of remain competitive. Um, now, in a non-competitive market, do I recommend a home inspection? One hundred percent because it's it's you know it's not very expensive to have done. Um, you know, they're there are a few hundred dollars and, you know, it can tell you really valuable information about a property that you're gonna be investing a lot of money into. You know, you know, if the roof needs to be redone, if if it's got outdated wiring that's not gonna support, you know, a normal 2021 users, you know, uh, electrical needs. Um, these are things that y- you would want to know because these are things that can be very expensive to renovate or improve. Um, and mm-hmm. so when, when possible, I definitely recommend having a home inspection done, especially if it's a house that you're concerned about, um, in terms of like, you know, if it's, if it's an older home and you have mm-hmm. a feeling that there's probably something that is wrong with it, it's, it's good to get done. I mean, on a brand new house, like you know, a house that was built within the last five years it may not be as necessary, um, but it's really about just looking for those red flags. And again, that's, that's where your real estate agent can come in and they may notice things while you're doing your showing that you might think would warrant further inspection. So an example I'll give you, I was helping a couple purchase a home kind of in the um, St. Clair and Dufferin area of the city. And there's a lot of older homes there that we were looking at. And some older homes have a form of wiring called knob and tube wiring, which is an an older type of wiring that can be a fire risk. And so a lot of insurance companies and lenders don't like when homes have that type of wiring. And so an insurance company, home insurance is mandatory. Um, So uh, an insurance company may say, okay, we'll give you insurance if you're going to buy this home. But you have to have that knob and tube wiring upgraded and removed within 30 days of you moving in, you know. And so if an agent doesn't catch that or if it's kind of hidden, um, that's where a home inspector is super important because they, they know what to look for they know the sort of ins and outs of how a home is built and and they can pick up on little things, you know, little marks on the wall, for example, that might indicate a leak. Like these are things that a good home inspector will see.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these are definitely things that, a person who is untrained would not be able to see when they're just going through looking at a home.
1: Yeah, for sure. Right. It's about kind of looking into the like nooks and crannies of a house. Like, you know, I'll always, if, if I'm looking at a home with someone, we'll, we'll go take a look at the basement and, and take a look around because, you know, you want to make sure that there's no evidence that there's been potential flooding issues in the basement because that's that's a huge problem.
0: Yeah, for sure. So now let's talk about how real estate agents get paid. So there's the commission-based agent who gets a percentage of the commission of the house that's sold. And then there's also flat fee realtors. Can you explain the difference and what that looks like?
1: Yeah, for sure. So commonly, the total percentage that you're looking at in terms of commission um, when when you're selling your home is 5%. And how that's broken down into is two and a half percent for the listing agent and two and a half percent for the buyer's agent. That's kind of like the we don't like to use the word standard, but that's that's very common practice to, to charge a five percent commission. And so when you're when you're selling a home, you as the seller are the one paying the commission, uh, not the buyer. Now. There are a bunch of different ways of doing it. Some people may charge less to list a property, but I would say that um, typically the buyer side is usually two and a half percent. That's that's what's most commonly offered to the buyer's agent. And then, yeah, you do have things like flat fee realtors or, or cash back realtors. That's that's another sort of big one. Purple Bricks, they're a brokerage that's that's known for charging a flat fee to list your home. Um, So to be honest, I don't know the specific numbers of what they charge, but I think it's like a few thousand and they'll deal with listing your home or they can even help you purchase a home and they'll give you you cash back. I don't like to put those options down, but what I always remind people is that there are going to be certain trade-offs when you go that route because it's when you're working with a a brokerage that um, is maybe just charging a flat fee, in my eyes, it's more of a volume game. Like you need to be doing a certain amount of volume for that to be profitable. And what I ultimately think is there's not the same level of personal relationship that that's in that, you know what I mean? Like it's a little bit more transactional. You know, when you're working with me as an agent, I'm with you through every step of the process. Mm -hmm. You know, again, things like staging and photography, all these things, getting your home ready, you know, being on call with you, because truly, you know, a good realtor, they're pretty much available at all hours of the day. And so I'm always available to my clients, whether it's by text or email or phone call. Um, I'm, you know, I, I kind of pride myself in how quickly I get back to people. And mm-hmm. so there's, there's certain things that when you're, when you're listing your home for a flat fee, um, you know, whether it's through purple bricks or another sort of for sale by owner type website. Um, there's going to be certain trade-offs in terms of the kind of service and, and quality of service that you're getting. Again, that's, that's my opinion. Everyone will see things a little bit differently and I, I fully support people that want to go that route. It's ultimately about finding the best fit for you when you're selling or buying.
0: For sure. So I think it sounds like it's a more bare bones service that you would get with a discount brokerage. And it's always like you get what you pay for. Yeah. It's interesting, though, that this is something that is gaining popularity in recent years. I think a lot of people are looking into that kind of for sale by owner route because they're trying to save some money. For sure. So how can a realtor help with a seller if they want to sell their home and then buy another one? So for example, if they haven't fully paid off their mortgage on their first home, how does that kind of work if they want to buy another home after that?
1: What I always recommend to people when they're looking to do like a sell and a buy, number one, it's really important to talk to your whoever your lender is and and find out what kind of penalties you might be looking at in terms of breaking your mortgage term early. Um, so if you've taken like a five-year term on your mortgage, you know, that, that you're breaking. So let's say you have a five-year term on your mortgage and then maybe you're, you decided to sell after two or three years it's really important to find out what those penalties are going to be like because they they can actually be pretty hefty. But once you've gotten past that and you've decided you're actually, you know, you're going to sell your home and you're going to buy a new one, it, it really is kind of a matter of timing things so that you can line up the transaction dates as close as possible. Um, you know, in, in an ideal world, you would sell your home with a 60-day closing and you, your purchased home would have like the same closing date but you know obviously that doesn't always happen and so there are things like bridge loans which can kind of fill the gap in between so let's say like maybe there's like a one or two week gap between your closing dates that's where a bridge loan can come in and so lenders can offer that they do have a you know higher interest rate um but you know it's for for a smaller period of time just kind of while you're transferring from one to the other
0: Mm -hmm. interesting can you talk a little bit about using for example a home equity line of credit or other financing to buy more properties without selling the current home that you own if you are a property owner
1: yeah absolutely I mean it's 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 a great strategy it's kind of it's it's a strategy that has worked for for many people you know in terms of building wealth through real estate um, you know in its simplest form, you have someone that maybe purchased a condo as their first property. Um, they stayed there for a few years, and then they borrow the equity from that home that they put into it, um, and they they use that towards their next property. And so it's kind of similar in terms of you know just buying a home to begin with, where you're, you're going to be contacting a mortgage agent or a mortgage broker, and they're going to kind of evaluate. Mm-hmm the mortgage you have on that first home and how much you've put down into it and they're going to again look at your financial picture and say okay well based on that this is what you you know can purchase in terms of your next home if you're going to keep that other one and so you know we we refer to this as kind of climbing the property ladder so okay you had this condo now you're taking some equity out of it to buy your next home And maybe you have uh, now you've rented out that that condo. Right. So it's kind of, you know, know, it may like, for example, in today's market, that condo is probably negative cash flow um, because rent has come down so much. So that's something that you always have to keep in mind if you're going to kind of go this route is. The payments, you know, for your mortgage and the utilities and all those other things may not necessarily be covered by whoever you have renting it, right? Especially in a market like today where things are kind of on the lower end. Um, So there is a lot of risk in doing it, but when done, done properly, it can really help you grow your real estate portfolio, you know, using using a home equity line of credit. And, and then just like, you know, it's you just keep expanding it from there. It's like, you know, you're climbing that ladder, starting with the condo, then maybe it's a townhouse, maybe it's a semi, you know, that's kind of it in its most simplest form. I mean, it obviously is going to look different for different people, it depends on their financial situation, maybe how much money they've been able to save, in addition to, um, you know, whatever money they've put in their home. It's another thing where there's like, there's there's a lot of factors there. You know, I've I've seen people do it where, you know, their, their first home was maybe something they bought themselves, you know, before when they were single, you know, now they're married and now you've got two incomes in the household. And so it's a lot easier to make that second purchase.
0: Yeah. Do you think that the new mortgage stress tests are going to make things more difficult for buyers?
1: In terms of what I've looked at for the new rules, like uh, they're saying that based on this new stress test rate, buyers will lose about 5%-ish of purchasing power, so about 4 to 5%. It's really hard to say. I think that this year, people um, have saved kind of an unprecedented amount of money. And I don't say that for everybody, because of course, this has been a really, really tough year financially for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But what I'm more speaking to is the people whose lives or livelihoods haven't really changed. Like they're they're still working the same job, but now they're just working mm-hmm. from home. You know, they're still earning the same amount of income. COVID really hasn't affected their earnings. Um, but what it has affected is how often they're going out. You know, they're not going to restaurants. They're not going for drinks. Like, you know, all these things that you might've done in a normal year have given these people the opportunity to save a lot of money. And so I think people in our age demographic have saved more money this year. I think there was actually, there was something in our, an article I was reading that said, like, young people are, are saving money at like kind of an unprecedented rate. And so ultimately, I think that these mortgage stress test changes, they may cool things slightly, but my gut tells me that it's not going to make a huge difference in terms of how many buyers are still out there because. They're there, you know. There, there are so many buyers out there right now, and they have money saved up. The reality is, a lot of them have people in their lives that are helping them. There are a lot of people that have, you know, received gifted down payments from family members and things like that. And so, it's. Uh, I think that it's it's not going to cool the market in the way that um, we're going to see in a major way.
0: Yeah, so you don't think that we're in a housing bubble that's gonna burst anytime soon?
1: I I don't <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, hey, I could be proven wrong. Like it's like it, it really is like a, a crystal ball situation. Like exactly. I I could be wrong. You know, the, the market could crash. Sure. Like I have no idea. These are just like, I'm kind of just going with like my gut feelings and what I sort of see in my everyday life, working with people that are, that are looking to buy and sell something tells me that I I think that it's not gonna, gonna be too big of a hit. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, you know, when you look at how much you know, a four or 5% difference is on, for example, like a $600,000 condo purchase, it's about $24,000. Now that's not a small amount of money, but it's not a huge amount of money either. And so that's why I think people will still be purchasing, you know, they might buy something that's slightly cheaper maybe than what they were looking for before, but I don't think it's going to stop them completely from making a purchase.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, well, with the interest rate so low right now, I think it's, if it keeps on staying at this level, then people will continue to enter the market. 100%. Yeah. I was, I got this email from Quest Mortgage because I trade with Quest Trade and it's 1.35% on Mm -hmm. a high ratio mortgage. So if you Mm -hmm. do have mortgage insurance, you put like 5% down. And I'm like, what? Like That's so low considering you're putting 5% down. How is it sustainable for an individual or even a couple? Because you're going to be paying off this mortgage for the next probably 15, 20 years. And thousands and thousands of that will be on interest It's crazy compared to if you put more money down. I mean, I don't think I want to live that kind of life. That's basically being house poor. If that's where all of your money is tied
1: up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, it, it really just is a matter of like them qualifying your income. If they, if they see that your income supports it, then, then, you know, a bank or a lender, they'll, they'll give you the money for it. Mm-hmm. as, as like a very rough general rule of thumb, I, I say that you'll usually be qualified to purchase, um, like in terms of how much money a bank or lender will give you, it's usually around four to five times your income. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's, that's kind of like a good rule of thumb to, to go off of. And so if they see that you have a stable job, it's full time, it's permanent, um, or you know if you're if you're self-employed and you can and you have you know proof you know well, whether it's tax returns or whatever to to back up the fact that you've consistently made good money um then you know they they will give you money right because that's that's interest in their pockets too
0: okay so i got two more quick questions for you and then we will wrap it up let's say that you've sold the house and the next day the buyer is supposed to bring a deposit but then they don't what happens?
1: I always recommend if that happens, you, you got to consult your lawyer on that one. Technically, you can get sued for damages because you've breached the contract by not sending the deposit in.
0: Okay. So the deal is firm without conditions, but then the buyer brings their inspector friend to check the house when they visit. What do you do?
1: If if the deal is already firm, it's actually, yeah, too bad. Like There's not not much you can do if you've already waived your right to have a home inspection.
0: That brings us to the end of our show. Shay, thanks so much for joining me. If people want to find you on the internet, where can they find you?
1: Thanks so much for having me. Best place to get me is on Instagram or TikTok at Shay Toronto Realtor, S-H-A-Y Toronto Realtor. Feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to answer any questions that you might have about real estate or anything else if I can. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you're welcome to shoot me a DM there. Um, All my other contact information is on Instagram as well. You can email me, call me, text me. It's all there.
0: Awesome. I will link those in the show notes. And thanks again. Thank you. As the aspiring Miss Independent, this is Gloria signing out. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. And if you're using Apple Pods, please toss me five stars. It would help me so, so much. So see you next time. Until then, stay healthy and grow wealthy.